the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello, welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me as always is editor Trevor Tran. Hello. Mate, let's get into it. A-League, round two. Um, kicked off Friday night, Adelaide against Melbourne Victory. Uh, Adelaide got the winner, Sergio Van Dyke winner. Tell us uh, how you saw the game. Yeah, enjoyed the game. Um, Melbourne felt like they were turning the screw a little bit up until Adelaide's goal and then the, the layer red card, which sort of ended it as a contest. Um, I suppose the main talking point in the last week has been um, a victory team that has, as has been described by a certain podcast, an embarrassment of riches up front who haven't scored yet. Goalless. Yeah, and... and um, Double coconut. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure if they're in that sort of situation when they've got so many strikers, they're all trying to fit them in. And it's not really working. I mean, they've signed Australia's greatest ever left winger, but instead on the left wing they're playing arguably the A-League's best ever striker, like Archie out there rather than Harry. I'm not saying Harry should be on the left, but it just seems bizarre to put Archie out there. Um, and I think the calls seem to be, you know, um, you know, having Archie definitely through the middle and perhaps Harry in behind him um, because they looked a little bit disjointed. Um, Van Dijk, you know, a proven goal scorer at this level, and, and Vidasic was excellent we talked about he's gone under a little bit under the radar compared to the other players when he did come in I thought he he was excellent alright um, obviously Danny Olsop was left out of the squad completely mm. um, which has uh, raised the obvious and predictable question marks over his uh, his future and whether that remains at the victory um, I mean obviously we talked about Harry I mean he, he played up front for the Socceroos in the Asian Cup, um, mm. that's the role that he played there. You, you probably agree that he's he's not got the pace that he used to have. Um, so is 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 it proving a, a a bit of a tough one for for Mehmet to find out where Harry's best position is? And then also, obviously, once once Harry's in that side, where does Carlos Hernandez fit in? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think if you're a few A-League clubs don't have many striking options so as a coach you sort of know exactly what you're going to do and, and Mehmet's got a, a bit of a tricky thing to sort of get it right I don't think Allsop's completely out of the picture because he's a little bit different to the rest of them yeah um, so more I of think, a leader of the line exactly yeah so I mean it, it could end up that you know he's the foil they need for, for people like Archie and Harry so um, I wouldn't give well, he certainly shouldn't give up hope that he hasn't got a part to play but um, I think we put in our season preview, it would be a massive surprise if Victory aren't the league's highest scorers, um, which which is a completely fair comment based on who they've got. But it's um, it's another thing making it work. It's a strange dilemma, isn't it? It's a strange problem to have. Yeah, and a great crowd. Good crowd. Healthy contingent of Victory fans. There seems to be the uh, the norm now when they go to Adelaide. It seems to be a fixture that a lot of fans um, choose to make the trip over for. It's a great rivalry. You know, everyone talks about the the Sydney Melbourne or certainly before the league was formed about how important that would be but that this is probably the league's biggest rivalry isn't it um, perhaps the, the Melbourne derby will sort of, uh, you know, gather some pace on that front but yeah great crowd and on the kit front I do love uh, Victory's away kit yeah? I really like it really like the fluoro and uh, in Adelaide the best sponsor yeah best oh, it just it fits in perfectly doesn't it yeah all right, that's it for uh, for the Melbourne game. Uh, Central Coast, Gold Coast was the uh, the first game on Saturday. Um, 
Gold Coast took the lead. Another uh, another one from the top draw from James Brown after 47 oh, minutes. Wow. Got them in front. Um, his second goal in two weeks. Got him in my fantasy team. Yep. Well, my son. Talking about him for a while, haven't we? And yeah, and then, uh, and then three minutes, just three minutes to go, Patrick's fans fight, who's also in my fantasy team. Um, Rose said, I'm a Brad Port across uh, and got the Mariners uh, back into the game and they, they won a piece, it finished. Good Trev. I know that there was sort of a lot of talk and about Central Coast bouncing back from the last grand final. No grand final losing teams ever made the grand final the following season. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the, the weight of expectation there. They've always been the underdog Mariners, and now they're actually being tipped this season, and that's having a big impact. Um, I, I'm not sure how good an excuse that is, really, because it is a settled side that should be up there in the top four, and um, they've not started you know, overly well. I mean, they certainly weren't disgraced against Brisbane, were they, scoreline-wise? Um, and I think Gold Coast are going to be a lot harder to beat than many people have imagined this season. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk briefly about Gold Coast. Obviously, only two games in, but we were saying pre-season, very difficult to predict what they're going to be like because there's so many players that, that we've not seen before. Mm. I mean, two games in, two draws. I mean, do we think they have we seen enough to think that they might challenge for finals place? Yeah, I mean. I I think that they're going to sort of hover around that you know, 6th and 7th, perhaps 8th place, um, quite close up to the end of the season. But it still feels a little bit like they might be short on, on firepower. Um, you know, the the loss of Shane Smeltz would be a loss to any team, but they've never really gone on and replaced him. And, and Joel Porter, when they signed him, I was convinced that they'd, they'd picked up an, you know, a player that would be near the top of the goal-scoring chance each time. And, and while I think he's, he's certainly a good player, he's not reproduced the goal-scoring form that he did in England for so long. Yeah, well, the Mark Aritas is still uh, yet to figure. Um, still got some visa issues, but hopefully that will be sorted out this week. It'll be a good test for Gold Coast this weekend as they head up the road to, um, to Suncorp. Uh, second game, Saturday, Sydney SC nil, Brisbane Raw 2. Um, yes. Again, as with Melbourne victory, Sydney FC goalless after two games, uh, beaten in their first outing at home. What did you make to this? Well, I'm, I'm sure those loyal Sydney FC fans will stick with them uh, <laughs> next week. Yeah, look, the the better team. I and mean, Brisbane are sort of, without you know blowing teams away scoreline-wise, are just looking like that. They're on that other level still, aren't they, in the way they play. And, and Sydney just... Just couldn't get into the game, you know. Their, their first home game, they just—you never really felt like they had any manner of control over it in the same way that Brisbane did. And Raw completely deserved to win. Let's talk about Emerton. Um, was it a 15-year career overseas as a right-sided midfield player, sparingly used through the centre sometimes, so occasionally right, a right back. Right back, yeah. Never a left midfielder, left winger. We argue he didn't play left. Uh, midfield in that game because he barely touched the ball didn't he he was, he was sort of you know innocuous out there and you think that everything's going to go through him and, and we were saying um, in pre-season how good it is that Sydney will have some genuine right wing width now and they're not playing in them. I mean the two players Kuehl and Emerton that have come back aren't playing in their traditional positions um, and it, it, I don't know it's, it seems frankly bizarre and I, I worry about how many goals Sydney are going to score this season because you know you can sort of see the Harry because you sort of like, well, let's get him at the focal point of the attack. Roll, He's yeah. played there at the Socceroos in the Asian Cup. And I could sort of understand moving Emerton inside into a more central role to get him involved. But moving him from his normal flank to his opposite flank doesn't really seem to 
no. do anything for me. No, it's an utterly bizarre move. And you thought that, you know, as you said, to, the, I guess the concerning thing, not just for Sydney, but very concerning for Sydney, but for the whole league, was that you always felt that Brisbane had another gear, mm. that they won this really at a canter. I mean, Sydney had a few chances, um, but you always felt that, that Brisbane had more to come. Yeah, it, it, it struck me a little bit, and I, I don't mean this as a di- direct comparison. Whenever you watch Brazil at World Cups in group stage games, you know, and they're not really that bothered because they know they're going to win. And like you said, there's a whole other level to come. Um, and, and if that's true, that's, that's quite frightening for a Brisbane. For me, uh, Sydney's trouble, you, you, uh, not dissimilar to, uh, to some of the other teams at the Gold Coast as we talked about, is you wonder where the goals are going to come from. Yeah. Bruno, you know, is he, okay at this level, but he's pretty limited. Yeah. You know, he's not the most mobile of forwards. Um, you know, and when then they're playing that sort of system, I, I just really think that they need, you know, the, the needs an injection up front. I believe they have got room They've... within the salary cap and within the squad. Um, I think they need to make the move to bring someone in. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no depth there. Yeah. You know, anyway, even if um, Bridge and Bruno were two of the better strikers in the league, you'd still feel that they need some some support there. I mean, Joel Griffiths has. You know, being talked about as returning to the A League somewhere, obvious link to the Jets, but um, Sydney almost need him as desperately. And Thomas Broich seems to have picked up where he left off, and they're enjoying a, a more central role. Obviously, we, we talked about Matt Mackay moving on might open up a, an opportunity for Broich to take an even bigger role within the within the Brisbane campaign. It seems to be the case. Yeah, I mean, um, efficient, consistent German performer, isn't he? I can't I can't see his form dropping off at any point. Okay, uh, games on Sunday kicked off Wellington routine home win for Wellington against Newcastle. Although they ended up with nine men in slightly bizarre mm. circumstances <laughs> with two late red cards, one for Nicky Ward, which has since been uh, rescinded, and uh, one for Tim Brown, uh, which can't be rescinded because it was it was two yellows. yellows so yeah. they, they're, they're pretty powerless on that. But again, that was a, it was a second sort of soft. Uh, Red card, um, not a great performance from the referee, um, but a solid performance from Phoenix. You know, we talked about how they were up against it with um, with the injuries that they've had. Got worse for them during this game with uh, Paul Eiffel coming off with uh, what looked like a recurrence of a groin injury that he's been nursing back to fitness. Um, but they still won two 0 yeah, that home form's going to be essential for them. Picked up a good point last season. I mean, they only picked up was it around eight or nine points on the road last year, um, and and it you know might be a similar tale this season. But yeah, they, they could pick up enough points at home alone to sort of sniff around finals football. And Newcastle, um, you know, after the getting their fluky win, we wouldn't say fluky, right. but a fluky goal to win the game, uh, and the opening day, this was a more concerning performance. Yeah. Yeah, they so, were never really in it, were they? They didn't didn't look like winning the game at any point, really. Not really. I mean, they, they scored three last week, um, the previous week against Hart, and I think that might seemingly more and more has to do with quite how terrible Hart are at the back, more than the fact that the Jets are going to kick on and score that sorts of goals most well, weeks. As we record this, uh, it's, it's about four minutes to eleven on a Thursday morning, and there is a press conference called at. Uh, Energy Australia Stadium at 11 o'clock. We presume to announce Gary Van Egmond as, uh, 
as the new coach of the Jets. So uh, he's definitely uh, got work to do, but he knows the size of the task and he's done it before. So uh, if that is the if he is the correct appointment, then um, we shall see it soon. And he's he's been away becoming a better coach. Yeah, you know, AIS and, yeah. and in that sort of setup. So there's every reason he can come back and, and do just as well, if not better. And Arand uh, came to his conclusion on Sunday uh, evening with uh, Perth Glory. Mm. Getting a, a win away at Melbourne Heart. 2-1, Shane Smeltz with both the goals. Um, Trev, what did you make to this? Yeah, um, I remember Glory started quite well last season as well and, and fell off in a pretty horrendous way. And um, I think the Heart are going to struggle if they carry on playing the way they are. So we shouldn't perhaps read into it too much. But a rare away win. And, and Smeltz, I think you could put Smeltz in any of the A-League teams and he could make them finals contenders because he's, he just can finish, can't he? And he just has that ability and he doesn't need, um, you know, doesn't just tap him in from a few yards. He's got a bit of variety to his game as well. Um, so he just looks like a massive, massively important signing there. Yeah, um, well, that was his 50th goal in 79 A-League appearances. So that's not a, it's it's not a bad strike rate, is yeah. it? Uh, Hart got back into the game uh, with a penalty from David Williams uh, unfortunately they lost captain Fred to, uh, to a hamstring strain um, more than a tail it looks like he's going to miss a couple of weeks which, which rules him out of the derby but you know, we're looking at the bottom of the table we're seeing Sydney, Melbourne and Melbourne Hart Melbourne Victory and Melbourne Hart all down there yeah, yeah, genuine surprise, and and as we'll talk about in a later section, probably not the ideal fixture for Hearts to sort themselves out in is um, the derby next week, this week. And is this a new a new Perth glory? Are we seeing? You know, as you said, they started last season well, fell away very quickly. Um, we've talked about on paper they've got a very strong squad. Squad. Yeah. It's good to see Jacob Burns. Uh, picking up where he left off last season, right in the thick of most things that are going on. Although he did get an absolute clattering yeah. by the, uh, by the uh, Melbourne Hearts fan. I think it was, was it Curtis Good that absolutely collected him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, do you see them, you know, do we see them being contenders this year? Well, I mean, certainly finals football with that squad, there'd be no excuse to not, you know, be playing finals football. Um, yeah, look, I think so. I mean, if, if they can get themselves a home final, um, no one's going to fancy going over there, and and there'll be a reasonable chance. The, the players that have come in, um, Smelts, you knew were going to be good, but even people like you know um, Billy, Billy the kid, yeah. the, you know former West Ham youth player, looks like he's a good player as well. And, and Liam Miller, we knew was going to be a good player. So yeah, just the, just on Miller, quality ball in for Smelts' yeah. first goal. I mean, that's, yeah. just the immediate sort of one look head up vision and the ability to put it exactly where he wanted to do yeah. in that real dangerous area you know Matt Thompson looked at the keeper to say why didn't you come the keeper looked at Matt Thompson to say I'm not coming that far yeah, and that was how good the box. ball was it was right in that spot you know seven eight metres out where the keeper's not going to come and the, the defender's in two minds because it's just gone over his head so um, so yeah so it's good early promising signs for Perth glory there Mm. All right, that is it for part one. We'll be back in part two to look at some of the news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com. The November issue of 442 magazine is out now. This month, we preview the world's biggest club competition, the UEFA Champions League. We speak to the world's best player, Lionel Messi, show you how Barcelona can be beaten, and run down the Aussie high and lows from the history of the Champions League. Elsewhere, we interview Socceroo Patrick Kisnorbo and Melbourne Heart captain Fred. 442 on sale now. 
the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We look at some of the uh, news headlines that have been making news on our website, au.442.com. Uh, Trev, squad of 31 A-League players have been called into training camp yep. um, to sort of press for selection during the upcoming World Cup qualifying as well as the uh, Olympics qualifying. So this is Holger Osik and Aurelia Vidmar um, giving the chance to run their eye over the A-League talent, uh, the X-Factor camp, we've called it. <laughs> Um, some of the names just to run very quickly through them uh, Terry Antonis Aziz Bayic Luke Bratton Zenon Caravella Ivan Franjic Sam Gallagher Eugene Galekovic Anthony Golic Rostin Griffiths Ryan Griffiths Ben Halloran Brendan Hamill Jason Hoffman James Jego Ben Kantorowski Adrian Leyer Brad McDonald Taj Minicon Mitch Nichols Eric Partaloo Dimi Petratos Josh Risden Joshua Rose Matt Ryan Milan Susak, Matt Smith, Adam Taggart, Michael Theoklatos, Archie Thompson, Michael Thwaite, and David Williams. Yes. Wow, got through it. Yeah. All right. Who <clears throat> from that? Pick me, pick me three players from that list that you think are genuine opportunities to do a, what we'll call a Matt Mackay, and and you know have the ability to step up from the A League and not look out of place at Socceroos level. Well, tips. what I was going to say is that you, you can't argue with, you know, an idea like this being positive. One of the advantages of having the national team coach in the country that he can, you know, pick up the players and run for it. On a slightly more pessimistic level, um, I'd probably only name Joshua Rose as someone who could come into the Socceroos team now. Really? Yeah, I, I think there's people like Terry Antonis that that could well, you know, progress into the Socceroos team. But you know, if I was, you know naming a, a Socceroos squad for the next World Cup qualifiers, Joshua Rose might be the only one that I'd say, yeah, he deserves a spot if we're including all the overseas players. But I guess that's the point of the camp, isn't it? That everyone's yeah. going to get a chance to prove that you know, there's more than just a few players that should be pushing. But otherwise, I don't, I don't think there's a, a wealth of international talent well, getting think, together I think, there. I'd pick a couple more than that. I'd probably say um, Ivan Franjic. I think uh, for a young right-back, it gets better every time I see him. Certainly playing in a... Playing in that Brisbane Raw team as a fixture, I think uh, he's got a chance. He'd probably, I'd also probably say Eric Partaloo. Mm. Yeah, I know that we're well stocked in that central midfield position, but if you look at how Yedinak has gone from being a Central Coast Mariner to now a, a starting international, yeah, I'd say that Partaloo has got every chance of being as good as Yedinak when he's Yedinak's age. I, I mean, I'd only say someone like Franjic if, if, if there's no Reese Williams or Luke Wilkshire or Brett Emerton, then, then perhaps he, you know, th- these are good options to have a look at if they've got cover to come in. But if all the overseas players were fit, um, yeah, I, I yeah. still only feel that Joshua Rose you know, should be given a chance. Yeah, I'd agree with you on Rose as well. Um, yeah, you know, and there's, some, there's some players in there as well who have figured in Socceroos squads. And you know, I guess this is the opportunity to sort of send a message to them that they're not forgotten. You know, I'm looking at people like Archie Thompson, Michael Thwaite, who, you know, to forget that he was, uh, yeah. you know, under Hiddink. You know, he was he was playing for Socceroos then. Um, you've, got to, you've got to fear for Archie's, you know, future considering the type of, you know, the, the Troisi and Rukovica and Leckie and Cruz and Brosk, you know, all those players coming through. It's going to be hard work for him to get. You know, he's have to, going to have to hit twice their form in the A League to stand a chance of getting back in the Socceroos. Yeah, we're well, talking about Matt McKay. Um, he got his starting debut for Rangers um, in a friendly game with Liverpool. This was a 
weird time to have a friendly, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen more and more this season of the, you know, these development squad games where yeah. teams are sort of getting together to sort of look at their fringe players and their reserve players. You'd think that they'd have enough games to do that regardless. Well, yeah, you think so. I mean, it took place at Ibrox. Lee McCulloch got the only goal. Rangers claimed a 1 0 win. Um, high praise from uh, Ali McCoist. Uh, Matt McKay did really well, could have scored ahead in the first half. His positional sense is very good. He's obviously been coached well. Great little tip for, yeah. uh, for Ange there and for Holger um, because his movement on the left-hand side is very good. Came inside at times, allowing Lee Wallace to get wide and put good balls in. So he's certainly done everything that he could do to, um, you know, to stake his claim for a starting spot in the, in the SPL. You know, we need him to be playing regularly and it's great that he, uh, that he took his chance. You know, and, and Liverpool, whilst we're saying, you know, it wasn't their first team, um, you know, there was a £35 million pound striker playing for him in Andy yeah. Carroll. You know, Charlie Adams on the bench. Um, so, yeah, so it was certainly a good test, which it looks like Matt Mackay handled very well. Um, not so good news. Uh, informed soccer striker Brett Holman is a doubt for next month's World Cup qualifiers. Uh, our two away games against uh, Oman and Thailand um, after revealing that he's, he's suffered a groin strain in Alkmaar's 2-2 draw with Ajax at the weekend. Um, he'd actually scored one and provided the assist in that 2-2 draw before he limped off after uh, 52 minutes. Yeah, and that's a real shame, isn't it? That's like, you know, it, easily the best form of his career, you know, in terms of both international and club football. Um, and let's just hope he gets back quickly and, and none of that form's affected. OK. Um, Archie, we talked about um, his role. Uh, he doesn't seem 100% happy with it. Um, Aidan was talking to him down in Melbourne this week as part of the preamble and, uh, and build up to the Melbourne derby. Um, you know, he said that uh, I like to be closer to goal. You know, I'd rather have, you know, be more central in attacking role. Um, but you know, he'll play, uh, he'll play where he's, where he's told to. Um, but as we were saying, Trevor, you know, you sort of get the, get the feeling that no one's really 100% sure or happy and that they've got the system right yet. No, no, and it's absolutely integral that they do. I just, I don't think he's a left winger, and I think he's so proven through the centre that that's exactly where you have to play him. Okay, and um, we go live. We've live. just got word on Twitter that Gary von Egmont has indeed been appointed for the next two years as head coach of the Newcastle Jets. So uh, I'm sure you, if you haven't read the uh, the website by the time you listen to this, there's some breaking news for you. Mm. Um, Reese Williams missed uh, Middlesbrough's 2 0 loss to Nottingham Forest this week. Uh, Borough boss Tony Mowbray said it was due to his heavy schedule with the Socceroos last week. Fair enough. It's a lot, you know, a lot of travel. There's a lot of game in the Championship, so. Yeah, and Middlesbrough after a really strong start have, have sort of dipped off a little bit. Mm -hmm. When he was in, he was, you know, Reese was saying that they were, they'd had a great start. Um, also, Scott McDonald uh, was dropped to the bench for that game as well. Mm. Mm. Not great. No. So let's hope, obviously, Reese had a, had a terrible run with injuries uh, so you can sort of understand Mowbray taking a, a safety sort of first uh, approach with him, which is, uh, which is good to see. But let's hope that um, you know, Mowbray's not going to start proving difficult when it comes to uh, releasing him for, for Socceroos games. Uh, Craig Deans uh, asked to be told his Newcastle Jets fate, and I guess he just has. Yeah. Um, yeah fair play to Craig. You know, he's a youth league coach. He's stepped up uh, to, as the interim coach. Um, I'm not, 
I don't know whether he he put his hand up for the full time job or uh, you know or or just sort of, he was saying that we need to sort this out um, because obviously it's never ideal when a, a club's in limbo and they're not really sure whether the coach that they're currently uh, taking orders from will be the long-term solution, and uh, that's been sorted out as we speak today. Um, Marco Ritters hasn't played yet, but he's certainly uh, not afraid to uh, to say what he thinks. He could be a um, character. Yeah. No, I mean, it, nice little headline. I don't think he was being as uh, as dismissive as, uh, as, as it might look on first glance. You know, what he was saying is the fact that, yes, you can compare, you can compare Brisbane Raw to... to to European teams, but unless they're actually going to play there, it's no comparison. It's, it's literally just you know hyperbole. So, um, you know, he was saying that if I played well against a small team, you might be able to say that I'm Lionel Messi, um, which I suppose is true. But we're we'll, uh, we're yet to see him play, so we'll see how it is. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing this guy play. Yeah, I mean, there's every reason pedigree. why he could do well. Yeah, it certainly is a. Um, as a young player, and when he was playing in, you know, world youth tournaments he, or, or Euro youth tournaments, he, he looked like a, a real rising star. Um, and, and the A League might be the perfect place for him to get back on track. Yeah. Well, it looks like he, you know, he is clear to play this weekend. So uh, let's hope that he uh, he makes his debut and we get to uh, to have a look at him. Um, the technical reports were released this week uh, on the under 17 and under 20 World Cups. Um, and the, the couple of few Aussie players that were singled out by those reports uh, for praise, and they were Karen Bullitt, Tommy Orr, Dylan Tombides, and Connor Chapman. Yes, yes. I, I, I speaking to Hamburger about Connor Chapman, who's um, one player there, particularly you know impressive at the tournament, and feels like he he could really go on and do something good. Obviously, the the results weren't what we hoped for, um, but FIFA's reports acknowledged Australia's attempts to play a better brand of football. It described the Australian teams as having a compact defence, patient build-up play from the back, through midfield, rapid transition from attack to defence, strong, hard-working players and determination, which obviously we've always had. Um, Rapid transition from attack to defence. Just keep losing the ball. (laughs) Get back. That's a nice way of saying we get giving it away way too often. All right, that is it for part two. We'll be back in part three where we will turn our attention to Europe and we will wrap up uh, Champions League, English Premier League, and then preview this weekend's games in the English Premier League. So stay with us. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1-300-784-212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. To 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We are heading to Europe now. Let's wrap up, Trev, a quick uh, roundup of uh, UEFA Champions League games overnight. AC Milan 2, Barte Borisov 0. Barcelona 2, Pilsen 0. Uh, Iniesta and Villa on the, on the score sheet there. Bayer Leverkusen uh, came from behind to win at home to Valencia. Chelsea had a, a, a comfortable 5-0 win against Genk. Torres on the score sheet there with two goals. Porto and uh, Apple Nicosia drew 1-1. Arsenal 
Late, late winner at Marseille. Critical goal for them, this. Massive. Uh, Aaron yeah. Ramsey on the score sheet. Um, huge win for the whole club, really, you know, um, they, as they continue to sort of crawl their way back into the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, is this, uh, again, another lift for them at the right time, Trev? Oh, yeah, certainly. Especially Ramsey as well, I think, who's a player that's going to have, have to have probably a, a bigger year than um, prior seasons, based on who's gone out the door. So, yeah, important win for them. And we saw the weekend, I mean, we were talking about, you know, Van Persie stepped up, good free, late winner, free kick. Yeah. Saw what it meant to him, you know. Now's the time when Arsenal really need what few big players are left there to really step up, shoulder the responsibility and, yeah. and get them out of this. Well, I, th- I think Van Persie got them out of jail a little bit performance-wise. I think, yeah. You know, you, obviously it's, it's those type of players that win games for you, but um, if, if they're going to need him to play like that every week, then they might be in a spot of bother. Okay, Olympiacos, uh, you'd probably say surprisingly, um, took care of Borussia Dortmund 3-1. I'm surprised at the the gap there. You know, Borussia Dortmund have been doing very well. Uh, Shout out to the next two, uh, Zenit St. Petersburg 2, Seska Moscow 3, Trabzonspor 0, Dinamo Zagreb 0, Ajax 2, Basel 0, Benfica 2, Lille 0, Inter Milan 1. Man City 2, Villarreal 1. Uh, he just keeps on doing it for me. Sergio, fourth minute of injury time with their winner. And again, you know. That's an important win, you know. If they'd that stumbled was a massive there. win, you know, because they, uh, you know, they went behind after four minutes, you know, and they could have. Uh, it was good to come back and get that. Obviously, in the other game, Bayern Munich drew 1 1. Uh, with Napoli, which uh, leaves it open for Man City now. Obviously, mm. they played, they lost to Bayern Munich away, drew at home with Napoli. Um, but if they can uh, beat Bayern Munich at home, um, you know, and then get something on the road, they're still in with a very good chance. Uh, Real Madrid murdered Leon four uh, nil. Leon, a team that has caused them problems in the past, mm. uh, but didn't cause them any problems. And uh, Rooney reinstated into the Man United side. Uh, scored two penalties to uh, get them the win. Uh, Vidic was sent off, as was a uh, Perendia from uh, from Galati. That's a classic menu encounter. Rooney scores, Vidic sent off. Everything's yeah. <laughs> everything's in order. So I mean, you know, you'd say that pretty much everything is really sort of going to plan. There's no, you know, the the Italian teams, the, the top Italian teams look like they're there or thereabouts. The top English teams are there or thereabouts. Barcelona and Real Madrid are progressing comfortably. Yeah, yeah which is what you want. Okay. Uh, English Premier League. So as we talked about, let's kick off. Arsenal, Van Persie scored in the first minute after about 29 seconds. And then the 82nd minute, sandwiched in between, was a, was a Sebastian Larsson special free kick. Uh, but again, another stepping stone towards uh, Arsenal's season and a big one. Yeah, yeah. But, you know... They've not left themselves much room for negotiation in terms of trying to get a top four spot. Um, I still don't think it was a you know type of performance that's going to blow you away, but that's not really the position they're in. So three valuable points and and keeping Van Persie fit, which rarely happens. He averages a, you know something like fourteen to sixteen games a season he has over the, the past few years. And if they're relying on him to stay fit and play like that, it, it's like as I said, I think it's a real concern for them. Newcastle, um, you know, continued their good run. They were, you know, some would say artificially in fourth after they've had a relatively easy start to the season. And this was considered, uh, you know, their first real test of their mm. credentials. And uh, 
Yeah, they, they obviously didn't win the game. They drew it late equaliser from Solar Amiobi. Um, but a two to draw with Tottenham, a good Tottenham side. Yeah, there seems to be a reasonable atmosphere there and, you know, the, a bit of confidence running through a team that everyone expected to be scrapping out after losing their best players. Um, yeah, I mean, they're in a false position, isn't They won't end up being fourth, but they look like top half. It's interesting, I was listening to uh, Philippe Auclair on the Guardian podcast and was saying that this game was shown live in France and uh, that Newcastle have now superseded Arsenal as the, sort of the, the, the team that the French TV stations will show first in the English Premier League the French because drop- of all the French players that are playing there. Oh, I was so thinking got- the French drop you quick, don't they? A little bit of drop. No, because no, no, <laughs> obviously they've got like Caballé, Aubertin, Dembabar... Hatim Ben Arfa, you know, they've got around six or seven French yeah. players and uh, they're now they're picking up a, a following in France that has always been dominated by Wenger's Arsenal. <laughs> uh, West Brom, big win, the Black Country Derby, 2-0. Um, Wolves, after winning their first two games of the season, look like they are right back in the relegation scrap again. They've hit 3-4 a little bit too early, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Odin Wingy came off the bench to score, but probably the standout for West Brom in that game was Shane Long, who uh, looks like arguably one of the best signings of the well, season. The best who would you want to win out of that game? Who's the bigger Villa? Oh, I don't care. Really don't <laughs> care. Um, yeah, I don't mind the baggies. Don't mind West Brom. Yeah. They're, right. They're harmless. Um, Chelsea, again, two of the teams that are, that are struggling at the moment. Everton, uh, you know, we know that they've got no money. We know that they're next to the suppliers. They, you know, they are going to struggle with that squad this season. Three-one uh, win from Chelsea. Uh, the big game, show for, show game of the week. Liverpool won, Man United won. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the return of Steven Gerrard came back with a goal. Wrote Ryan, his own script. Ryan Giggs running Ryan out of the Giggs, wall. What was he doing? I mean, he yeah. actually watched it go past his waist. Yeah. And like, yeah, it was a. It Did was you a, see? Have you seen shock. the footage of the, the, the game like the season yeah. before? Too, where yeah, and that exact, was Fletcher, wasn't it? Well, exactly the same thing happens. Yeah, it's just weird. Um, Hernandez got Man United back in. I mean, what's interesting here? Let's. I mean, let's talk about this. There, there's a number of. Ferguson left a number of key players on the bench. Rooney mm. being one, Hernandez being another. Um, yeah, was this Ferguson? almost giving a little bit of a diss to Liverpool as if to say I don't need to bring my top put my top team out to, to beat you mm. or was this him with an eye on how important the Champions League game was after a couple of draws yeah I mean or I th- was this him you know he said that he didn't feel mm. that Rooney's you know Rooney was affected by the UEFA decision didn't feel his head as well or is this just an example of Wayne, um, of Alex Ferguson again knowing what's best for his players Whereas Capello maybe didn't and played Rooney in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was utterly bizarre at first. I mean, I, I think if he'd just dropped Rooney and you know played Hernandez and played you know the strongest squad ever because you know Nani was on the bench and stuff, then perhaps you could feel it was singling out Rooney because he wasn't quite right in the head. But he seemed to rest almost his best attacking players, um, which, which seems a, a really strange thing to do. And, and look, he'll be happy with a point there, but they only just got a point once the you know Hernandez came on. Yeah. But I guess, you know, as well, I mean, they've lost there for the last three seasons. So, you know, maybe this was him saying, right, let's, let's, let's have a draw as the minimum. Yeah. Um, you know, he sent out a pretty defensive side for him. Um, you know, although he still had Welbeck and Young and, you know, Park, who carry a threat and gigs, you know, but for, for United with the firepower that they've got, 
Um, so he probably would look at coming away from there with a point as being Pretty more positive, than satisfactory. Yeah. Um, from a Liverpool perspective, they had a few chances late on. De Gea, um, is, you know, starting to prove the day yeah, is wrong. Really nice he, uh, he's getting to grips with it. The guy's 20 years old as well, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He could be Man United keeper for the next 20 years. Yeah. You know, if you look at the age that Van der Sar's played to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, the story that, that has come out since this and, and still hasn't been resolved was the, the allegations from uh, Patrice Evra that he was uh, racially abused by Luis Suarez, which uh, obviously, Trev, no one wants to hear that. No. But, I mean, it, it's going to be very difficult to prove unless somebody comes forward and said they heard exactly what he said. If it's his word, are, you know, the two words against each other, we're, we're going to get nowhere. But it sounds like, you know, Fergie was saying he... Ever really wants to pursue it. He well, and really Ever said that it, it wasn't a one-off. It, it was throughout the game. It was, you know, eight to ten times through the game. Right. And it was obvious that there were certain free kicks and corners that they were going at each other. Um, but you, you sort of think that if that's going on that frequently, somebody must have heard something. Yeah, exactly. Either in the, you know, the Liverpool team or the Man United team, you wouldn't expect... Probably not expect, unfortunately, anyone in the Liverpool team to speak up, but you would have thought that maybe an official's heard something. Yeah. I'm sure they're looking at the tapes to see whether they can get a clear view and get lip readers in and whatever, but um, it's a very serious allegation. Um, yeah. Suarez has, has completely you know, denied it, and, and the concern would be, you know, what action do you take against Patrice Evra if it's proven that, that nobody heard anything, nobody can see anything, you know? Yeah, I, th I think he's. Yeah, I mean, the accusation is certainly not, not a nice accusation to level to someone if it's not um, if it's not well founded. So. Yeah. All right, let's talk about my boys. This was depressing. Man City four, Villa one. Um, oh, don't know what to say. Man City rested a load of players as well. Aguero was on the bench. <laughs> Silva was on the bench. Nasri was on the bench. Um, I tell you what I thought when I was watching this. It, and it was the most depressing of sort of internal revelations. I got up at half five on Sunday morning to watch this, having recorded it, because I had trials with it too. I was just like, we've got half of my, half of the Villa team is packed with players that are not playing modern day football. Hmm. You know, people like James Collins, Richard Dunn. Yeah. You know, they're old school Hoof, yes. put your foot through it. You know, yeah. Defender Stephen Warnock, exactly the same. Em Emil Heskey, you know, his first instinct is to slow the game down, take five touches, get his body between the, him and the defender, the ball and the defender, and face his own goal. Yeah, that's not the way centre forwards play football anymore. Yeah, you know, so we've got either those players or the few modern day sort of players we've got, the likes of. Fabian Delph and Barry Bannon just aren't the sort of players that are going to get you into the top six of the English Premier League. Yeah. They might be nice and tidy, but they're not good enough. Yeah. Fabian Delph's first touch was appalling. Was Charles Zobbier on the bench? And Zobbier right? was on the bench. Was he He's fit, been or an was absolute it... flop. He's oh, was he? useless. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's disappointing. I mean, and, and as with Newcastle, you know, we had a very easy run in for the first six or seven games, and that was our first test, and we, uh, we failed it miserably. Uh, Norwich, you know, continue their strong start. 3-1 win over fellow uh, promotion uh, winners, Swansea. Um, some unfamiliar names in the Norwich side. Pilkington, Martin on the score sheet. But Paul Lambert continues to, um, to you know, over, you know, punch above their weight. 
getting good results. So I think they're up to ninth now. Yeah, they're ninth. Yeah. yeah, I mean they haven't stopped since uh, since League One. They flew through League One, flew through the Championship, and they've they've kept going to a certain extent in the Premier League. Okay, QPR uh, one, Blackburn one. QPR bit of a weird weird ones. QPR. Um, so you know they they have good games and bad games. I mean they, you know this is a poor Blackburn side. Let's let's make no bones about that. I thought that. it was quite... I, I watched a little bit of it and I thought it was two really awful sides. Yeah. Um, there, there was parts of watching it where you, you couldn't claim this was anywhere near the best league in the world and they look like two teams that, you know, are still going to struggle this season. Uh, Stoke, 2-0 winners over Fulham and again, you know, Stoke, another side we talked about, um, you know, have, have now become an established Premier League side and have invested again, the, the hope being that that would take them to the next level. And it appears to be doing that. You know, they are seventh. The only teams above them are Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Newcastle, Liverpool and Spurs. Yeah. You know, and that's probably their their next challenge is to is to finish top of the rest, you know, beneath those top six. And then I guess, you know, can they take that next step? Yeah, I mean, they showed real ambition in the close season to, to yeah. throw a little bit of money and that they've got a system that works regardless of what people think about it. Uh, Bolton, there was a team in need of a win. Um, obviously, we, we talked about it. They had a horror run. They'd uh, they lost six games on the bounce after winning on the opening day. Um, admittedly, they had a very, very tough start to the season, playing a lot of the top sides. But um, they got a win against Wigan. Again, it has to be said, a poor Wigan side. Yeah, um, I mean, I'd, I never like to sort of talk about teams going down because I've experienced it enough myself but there's a little feeling that just Wigan have overstayed their welcome in the Premier League and I, I wouldn't be too upset to sort of you know see them go on yeah 3-1 win uh, Rhea Coca on go and Eagles on the score sheet you know if you're uh, but also if you're Roberto Martinez you look at when those goals were scored Rhea yeah. Coca scored after four minutes the second goal was in the third minute of injury time mm-hmm. uh, at the first half, and the third goal was in the second minute of injury time. Now, if I'm a coach and I'm looking at that, that's a concentration issue. Yeah. That's not switching on at the start of the game. Yeah. That's switching off when it goes into injury time at the, at the ends of both halves. You know, and that's, that's something that isn't to do with the quality of your players. That's to do with their, their application and their, yeah. their commitment. And just yeah. after they'd scored as well, the, the, the bottom goal to go 2-1 up, yeah. Wigan had only just equalised. So that, that's another classic one. Yeah. Well, the table uh, looks like this. Uh, Man City are top with 22 points. Man United are second. With 20, Chelsea a third with 19, Newcastle uh, hold on to fourth with 16, Liverpool on 14 points, Spurs on 13. At the bottom, Wigan and Blackburn have five points apiece, Bolton and Sunderland have six points, uh, Fulham, Everton and Wolves have seven points. So, games this weekend, let's start at the top. First three second, this is... This is going to be a cracker. Sunday, uh, 1.30, which would make it 11.30 our time. Man United host Man City. Yep, huge. How do you see it going, mate? Uh, Man U, I could see them edging them out through home advantage. I think I might go for something like a 2-1. Um, City will be going there, relishing the prospect of taking a point. Possibly 10 defensive midfielders. Um, and yeah, but I, th- I think Man U will do, will do just enough. Might leave it late to get a winner though. Oh, I don't know. I, I've just got a feeling Man City are going to go for this because Man United, you know, are, you know, I think they've played 
I think in some of these, I heard the stat in like 12 games this season or so, and they've played nine different back fours. Right. You know, Ferdinand's in and out of fitness and form. Vidic is in and out of fitness. Uh, you know, Rob, uh, Phil Jones has played right back, centre back, and centre midfield. You know, so I, I, I think I don't see why Mancini should change. I, I put the big guns in. I'd go, you know, four, two, three, one. Mm. And, and and unleash them all, Aguero, Nasri. <laughs> yeah. Unleash the fury of the, yeah, s- the small creators. Go, go for it. All right, other games, uh, Wolves, Swansea. Important game for Wolves. I mean, every game's feel more important for them, but yeah, they, they've got to get a win there. Villa West Brom, uh, local derby. Another, uh, another winnable game, early season well, winnable yeah, game. you know, I mean, we've got us, you know, We've got to start winning at home. We're undefeated at home at the moment, one and two, drawn two, so that this is an important game. And again, you know, those sides are the sides that we need to beat to get back up into that sort of, you know, second third of the of the league. You yeah. know, we were in danger last year joining the bottom third. So, uh, Bolton Sunderland, massive game for Steve Bruce. You know, and Owen Coyle. You know, Owen Coyle's just gotten back to winning ways. Sunderland desperately in need of a win. Um, Steve Bruce has spent big, uh, has bought in a lot of players. Obviously, he's recouped a lot of money, the sales mm. of, of Henderson and Bent. Yeah. Um, but he's under pressure there to get results. Yeah, I, I can see him cancelling each other out for a draw, though, but it, yeah, both teams need to push on at some point. Newcastle, uh, home to Wigan. Another easy game for nice Newcastle. Nice for you know, like It's a good opportunity for him to, uh, to cement that fourth spot. Um, don't and, see Wigan causing any problems out there. No, no, I can see them rolling over quite easily. All right, Liverpool Norwich. So this, you know, after the uh, the highs of Man United come lowly Norwich. Now Norwich went to Old Trafford and caused Man United a fair few problems. Had a had a number of chances that they, that you'd argue they should have taken. And, and Ferguson, you know, said as much after the game that you know this team caused us real problems. Sniff of an upset there, yeah. definitely. Yeah, there's definitely a chance of an upset there. I mean, those are the these are the type of games that you uh, you know you want to get promoted for, yeah, and and you want to sort of kick on and, and play away at Liverpool. And I, I don't think Liverpool at sometimes have looked like they're going to comfortably put away all of these sort of smaller sides. That's often been their problem in recent years. So yeah, I mean. Uh, I think I might still have to go for a, a slight Liverpool win, but uh, Norwich certainly. Um, Certainly won't disgrace themselves. Okay. Uh, Arsenal at home to Stoke. Now, this is going to be a, a, a fascinating game. Contrast of styles. Um, you know, Stoke ahead of Arsenal in the league. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a, a real test of both teams here. Yeah, I mean, they'll feel like they've got the right to, to go to Arsenal and, and try and get something out of the game and, and possibly win it. Always talk that Arsenal don't like playing these types of teams, let alone when they've not had, a, not had the best of starts either. All right, it's been remiss of me. I've forgotten to... Uh, let's just recap on some of the odds for these games uh, from sportingbet.com.au. I've just been uh, forgetting to do that. Arsenal, let's uh, kick on with Arsenal first. Arsenal are dollar fifty-one. To win Stoke six dollars fifty. That's good value. That's, That's interesting. Value bet that, what, what about a Norwich Stoke double? Draw three dollars ninety. I can I can answer that question. <laughs> uh, well, Liverpool Norwich Norwich eleven dollars. Uh, the draws five dollars fifty. Liverpool are a dollar twenty five. Um, 
Villa West Brom. Villa are a dollar ninety. The draws three dollars forty, and West Brom are four bucks. Uh, Bolton Sunderland. Bolton favourites two dollars fifteen. The draw three dollars twenty, and Sunderland three dollars forty. Uh, Newcastle Wigan. Newcastle are dollar fifty-seven. I'd say that's generous. Yeah. Um, draws three dollars seventy-five, and Wigan are six bucks. Uh, other games. Fulham Everton. Must win games everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Next to each other in the table, 14th and 15th, both on seven points. Fulham looking good at home. Impression that um, they've not been you know, playing quite as bad as as the league says, um, even though that's that's a Martin Yell thing, not what I'm saying. But yeah, I, th- I think Fulham will win there. They are always very strong at home. Yes. Like yeah. one, you know, if they could match, you know, even half their home form and their away form, they'd be a top six side. But. Uh, but yeah, Fulham on Sporting Bet are $2.25, the draws $3.20, and Everton are $3.20. Uh, Blackburn Spurs. Mm, yeah. Um, pretty confident, I'll say, that Spurs um, Spurs will win that one. I mean, they're, they're, they didn't go off to the best of starts, Tottenham, but since then they've looked like a team that will be there or thereabouts for fourth, and I think they'll win away at Blackburn. Right, Sporting Bet agree with you, mate. Dollar ninety Spurs to win that away. away it's very oh. short odds for the away side. Blackburn three dollars eighty five and the draws three dollars fifty. And rounding out the uh, the fixtures on Sunday is QPR Chelsea West London derby. Yep, hasn't had that for a while in a top flight. No, exactly. Yeah, it depends which QPR turn Can up. QPR but... lift their game and cause an upset here. I mean, uh, you know, I you know. Maybe their biggest game of the season, um, and I, th- I think they'll push Chelsea, but I still think Chelsea got a little bit too much. QPR $9 to win at home. That's all right as well. No, draws $4.60, and Chelsea $1.35. I'm, I'm sure out of the, the Liverpool... It's going to be one up. Yeah, out of, out, of that, <laughs> out of those three sort of games we talked about, there'll, there'll be an upset in there somewhere. All right, that's it for part three. We will be back in uh, the final part of this week's podcast to preview uh, A-League Round 3. The November issue of 442 Magazine is out now. This month, we preview the world's biggest club competition, the UEFA Champions League. We speak to the world's best player, Lionel Messi, show you how Barcelona can be beaten, and run down the Aussie high and lows from the history of the Champions League. Elsewhere, we interview Socceroo Patrick Kisnorbo and Melbourne Heart captain Fred. 442, on sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We are back, A-League side, for round three, rivalry round, as it is called. Yes, yeah. So it kicks off Friday, tomorrow night, with the Brisbane Gold Coast derby. Yep. Brisbane at home, Suncorp. How do we see this one going, Trev? Yeah, I've got, looking at this round, I've got a feeling that um, the home team's... Um, might come out on top. I think starting with Brisbane, Gold Coast uh, sort of leapt out, didn't they, when they first formed with wins over Brisbane? But it's a, a totally different landscape now. And um, while I don't think Gold Coast will disgrace themselves in that game, I think I think Brisbane can win, will win. Well, Sporting Bet have got Brisbane strong favourites as you'd expect. Dollar forty-seven. Gold Coast is seven dollars fifty. Yeah. Uh, and the draws three dollars seventy five. It's difficult to really argue with those. Yeah, I'm quite enjoying having a dominant team in the A League. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part something... of football. Yeah, yeah. You know, part of football for me is always, you know, and that's where it's div- You know, it's very difficult. And and I think you know a real credit 
to Brisbane and the job that Andy's doing that they can be dominant within a salary cap league. Yeah. You know, because a dominant team in any other league would have kept Matt Mackay, yeah. Solazano and Madoka and would have brought in three or four extra players to make them even better. But yeah. it's very difficult to keep a championship winning squad together and under the cap. Um, all right, Adelaide, Sydney. Uh, you know, th- this was a rivalry really that was born in season one. Yeah. You know, season one and two really was when you know Adelaide and Sydney had those uh, phenomenal games at the, towards the end of the season, but then also that semi-final when, when Rudin scored the uh, winner to get Sydney to the inaugural grand final. Um, it's probably been less of a derby over the last few years because the Adelaide-Melbourne Melbourne's derby has come off, to the fore, but always a bit of feeling there between these two sides. Adelaide are uh, $2.15, Sydney $3.25, draw $3.30. Yeah, n- not an ideal game for Sydney to get the season back on track. And um, Vidasic carries on playing the way that he has. You know, he could end up being the best signing out of the Everton kill. Yeah. You know, Vidasic thing. Um, Van Dyke as well, he stays fit. He's going to score goals. Gita as well was on the bench, I think, wasn't it? Victory, didn't he come on? Um, yeah, I, th- I think they'll, they'll swap Sydney aside 2 0. Van Dyke likes scoring against Sydney as well. Yep. Seems to pop up with a goal or two against them. Uh, might make him captain in my fantasy team this he's, year. He's already my captain in my fantasy yeah, team. Yeah, he's mine as well. Either him or Smelts is you want one of. <laughs> mind you, yeah, Smelts might be a good one. All right, probably the biggest game of the uh, weekend Melbourne Victory versus Melbourne Hearts at Etihad Stadium. Uh, as we talked about, both teams desperately in need of a win. Uh, pressure already on both coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, uh, I, I just saw a, a tweet from from Scott Manu saying, you know, like the heads will roll if they don't make the finals. You know, it's like that's what they've set themselves out to do. Uh, Mehmet is already under Mehmet Djurakovic is already under a few whispers that you know his uh, his tenure might not be as long as he would have hoped. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, it's early, too early for that, surely. Isn't yeah, it? Way, way, way too early. You got to, you got to feel that victory will, will sort of figure out what's going to work for them in the final third, and it, it will start happening for them. All right, Sporting Bet have got this. I'd say a bit lopsided. Melbourne victory a dollar eighty, and Melbourne Hart four dollars fifty. Yeah, considering and also both teams Mel- are the bottom. Victory going to be without Adrian Layer, who was yeah. suspended. Uh, the draws three dollars thirty-five, uh, which I would say is. Probably the best bet out of those. In the absence of... I just feel like... Perth and Wellington feel like those two lads that are the last to get picked. Yeah, like the asthmatic and the the fellow with one leg slightly longer than the other. They're they're always the last to get picked. So it's rivalry round. And these guys are just so far away from anyone else. Yeah. We'll put them together. Yeah. So rivalry round is also now the long, you know, one of the. It's not the longest, is it? Second, isn't the it? second longest uh, away trip in world football. Perth glory to Wellington, uh, an eight-hour flight, something like that. Yeah. Uh, how do you see this going? Wellington is not great away from home. This is their ultimate away trip. Can they confound <laughs> the uh, the experts? And it would appear the bookies. Perth for a dollar fifty-seven. Wellington are five dollars seventy-five, and the draws three dollars seventy-five on Sporting Bet. Perth, De- definitely Perth. Yeah. At home, it's you know these are two teams that often struggle away from home because they've got such a distance to go, and you'd have to feel when one of them hosting the other one that you, you've got to go for the home win, and, and that's exactly why I go for Smelts against his old team. Yes, um, yeah. we know what normally happens when 
star strikers play their old team. And you'd say, you know, Eiffel looking very unlikely after the way he came off uh, last weekend. That would be a big loss for Phoenix. Yeah, huge. I mean, pretty much everything attacking-wise goes through him, and if they're going to make the finals, they need him fit and firing. Um, yeah, problems. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it'd be interesting to see the crowd there as well. Uh, I was a bit disappointed with the first Perth crowd of the season. Uh, yeah. It was I'm... less than 10,000. Uh, you know, but hopefully in that game and the uh, the away win at heart, they've seen enough to sort of say, hang on a minute, you know, this could be a good season to get involved. Yeah, I mean, they kicked off so strongly crowd-wise um, last season at the beginning because of the, 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 Fowler foul, the, the Fowler effect. Yeah, and they were talking about how much their memberships had gone up. Um, when it looks like it's far more likely that they're going to have a better season overall this time round, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully Perth gets out for that one. Okay, just getting word as well that it looks like uh, Francis Jeffers has uh, returned to the Newcastle Jets as well to boost their striking stocks. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, ex Premier League Arsenal and Everton striker Francis Jeffers has just been announced as returning to the club as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, it'd be, um, good to see him get a bit of a longer period, if, if so, that's the case. So, yeah, so that, that brings us nicely on to the F3 derby, uh, where you'll assume that um, Jeffers might go straight into the side there because uh, they certainly need some uh, some help up front. Gary Van Egmond back at the team that he uh, took to the championship. Uh, just the boost they need for a visit the Mariners. I'm going to back the Jets here. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, always worth looking at teams with um, with, new coaches, with, yeah. with new coaches. Mariners look a little bit stop and start. Um, you know, big local rivalry derby game. Yeah, surprisingly, Sporting Bet agree with you. Really? Yeah. No, I'm surprised at that. Two dollars fifty Newcastle. Two dollars sixty-five the coast. Uh, Three dollars thirty the draw. Maybe that was soon. You know, the Mariners are saying they want to be the underdogs again. Well. You know, <laughs> here's a chance to be the underdogs and do something. But I mean, a very strong chance of a draw. But I, I can see the Jets edging it. Yeah, yeah. And also, you have to say, looking at those five games, five good opportunities for for some healthy crowds and the chance for people to get out and uh, and watch some football. You know, you'd like to think that there'll be a decent crowd at Suncorp. Uh, yeah. There's always a decent crowd at Adelaide. Victory at Etihad. You know, you'd think that that's going to be a, a, a bumper crowd. Probably not as big as week one in Sydney, but you'd, you'd sort of want to hope for 30, maybe 35. Yeah. Uh, Perth, as we said, you know, and Newcastle had a strong turnout. They've also got their, uh, their, their cheap tickets there that people have taken advantage of, as you would. So, um, yeah, and, and Trev Hindsight, you know, first two weeks, week three approaching, the right decision to delay the start of the season? Yeah, completely. I mean, perhaps... If you'd asked me during that massive long off season, I would have said something different. But now it's back. Yeah, it, it feels like there's a good amount of clean air into our season, and, and we're getting the bill in. And, and certainly the crowds. I mean, if if we averaged a really disappointing around eight thousand, wasn't it across the league last season? Yeah. Um, if we can push closer to that ten, which at the moment seems to suggest that we might be able to, and um, that'd be great. Okay. Well, obviously, still chance to get tickets. Uh, look at the nice big skin around our website. Click on that. It takes you to the ticket page. So if you are a loose end this weekend or you know need to get out of something, get yourself down to a football match and uh, support your local side in rivalry round. So uh, that's it from us. We'll be back next week to uh, pick the bones out of all things local and international football. Until then... Get out and support your team and enjoy your football. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.